Welcome to the Big Fellas Podcast, where we chop it up about all things past, present, and future about the game of basketball. Where facts, stats, and context reign supreme. That is blasphemous. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. Always keep it real. Get ready to learn from players, coaches, and fans from all levels of the game and see the court in a brand new way. And now, fresh off the sidelines, here's your host, John Hartophilus. What it do, fellas, and welcome to the Big Fellas Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, J.H., coming to you from New York City, the mecca of basketball. Today, I'm joined by Ty Ellis, the head coach of the NBA G League Stockton Kings. Coach Ty has served as the head coach of the Sacramento Kings affiliate team since 2018, where he's won games and developed players for the next level. Coach Ty has also played professionally all around the world and held various unique coaching positions before building a tremendous culture in Stockton, most notably as the head coach of the Phoenix Suns affiliate team, the Northern Arizona Suns. We've got a good one in store for you today, fellas. Episode number 17, Ty Ellis, Stockton Kings head coach. What's going on, Coach Ty? How you doing, man? Good, good. Thanks so much. And I, I really appreciate you coming on. I think we're going to have a, a great discussion on everything you've been up to. So just really quick, if you could uh, walk us through the, your playing career and how it set you up for this lifetime of coaching. Well, I went to Southern Nazarene. It's a small Christian school in Oklahoma City. I really had no desire to play pro ball. Um, I mean, I guess every kid wants to, but I just knew the reality going to an NIA school. Um, and ironically, I got bigger and better. And uh, my senior year in college, I was first team All-American and player of the year and all those good things and uh, had a really good senior year. And a couple of scouts would come watch me play. But uh, I, didn't, I did not get drafted. But what I did do is, uh, you know, have, have you ever heard of the PIT? Uh, yes. And so the PIT, for, for those who don't know, it's a Portsmouth Invitational Tournament. And the NBA invites all seniors from um, mid-major mid D1, some, some big schools, but uh, really seniors who didn't get that much shine. And so uh, I called the, the NBA office, and they politely told me that the, my, my college level wasn't good enough. And, but thanks, but no thanks. So I uh, raised money by cutting grass, by cleaning garages, and raised money to go out there to Virginia to the PIT with a backpack full of tapes and bios. And I sat at the corner where all the uh, G GMs and scouts were at. And if they had to go to the restroom or leave the building, they had to pass me. And I gave them a, 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 a tape and a, and a bio and, a, and my little 15 second speech. I'm tireless, I was invited. Please give me a chance, here's my tape and bio. Thank you very much. By the end of the week, I'm so upset because I know I can play at this level. I walk to the local uh, Y and Mitch Kupchak is there. For those of you who don't know who Mitch Kupchak is, at that time he was the president and GM of the Los Angeles Lakers. Currently he holds that role with the Charlotte Hornets. But Mitch Kupchak is 6'10", 6'11", and, and he was on the elliptical. And so now he's 7'2". So uh, I practice my elevator pitch. I go up to him. I interrupt his uh, workout. But thank God he, he brings me in the gym and works me out. Two weeks later, he invited me to play on the Lakers Summer League team. Had a good uh, summer league and uh, wound up getting drafted into the inaugural year of the G League, of the D League back then, I'm sorry. 
And uh, after that, I spent the next 10 years in uh, Europe. I played in Spain and uh, Spain and Italy on the highest level, played a bunch of EuroLeague seasons. And uh, when I retired, I built so much, so many responsibilities, I mean, so, so many relationships uh, during my 10 year uh, time. Um, I put out a couple emails and I had a couple offers. And so uh, I chose to go to Oklahoma City, and that's and that was in 2012. And um, now I fast forward eight years. Wow, I've been eight, working for eight years. It's such a blessing. And I just finished my eighth year as a head coach of the Stockton Kings. That's great. And, and your journey, really, you've been all over, and it's fantastic kind of just all the different kind of ways you've seen the game of basketball. So when you finished playing, what kind of sparked that transition for you to go from playing to now your coaching journey? Well, I always wanted to coach. So I went to college with the expectancy of me being a college coach. Like I literally asked to coach could I redshirt my freshman year only so I can get my master's paid for. Cause I didn't want to, when I finished playing, I wanted to work. I didn't want to have to do like a grad assistant year. So my whole goal was to coach college. So they got put on pause because I started playing for 11 years. So even when I was playing, I would go into the coaches' rooms and watch video with them and kind of watch how they did things. Um, my, in 2009, 2010, uh, while, while I was still playing in Europe during the summertime, I interned with the Suns as an assistant coach. So I would be on their bench coaching during the summer, but then I would leave and go back to Europe and finish and, uh, and start my season. So. I always knew I was going to coach, but now I love coaching people. You know, uh, basketball is the conduit that God is using me through, the vessel, but I love coaching people. I love making people better. And so that's where my passion is. That's fantastic. And obviously you've done that in so many different places all across the world. I saw that you also worked in camps in China for the Master Kong Elite Basketball Camp. What was that kind of like? It was awesome, man. The uh, NBA sent me over there. Uh, so they, that particular experience, they had nine previous uh, camps all over China, and they chose the best kids for the 10th camp. And then um, they had me come over there and, and, and run that camp. And we actually chose two students to be a part of the Junior Academy, which is a huge deal for the Chinese culture because those kids leave their homes and go to this, this NBA facility where everything is paid for. And so I was a part of that. And then the previous year, I did like a, a coaching clinic where the 200 college coaches, they um, came and I taught them different, you know, basketball skills and things that um, I do. So uh, I, there's a huge love for basketball in China. Uh, and, it's, and it was just an awesome experience. That's great. And then obviously after that, you were the first coach ever for the newly moved Northern Arizona Suns. And right off the bat, you got off to a 10-1 record and put the whole league on notice. What was that first few games like for you? It was, it was great. You know, um, it was great because the, the guys kind of took on the identity of me. Like, we're, we're gritty. We're grimy. We're going to fight, compete. And, uh, and whatever happens at the end of the game, so be it. Right? But we will compete. And it just so happened I had Johnny O'Brien, Elijah Millsap, and Derrick Jones Jr. Uh, Josh, Josh Gray, Shaquille Harrison. 
uh, most of those guys are in the NBA. And uh, I started off 10 and one. And then they called up Johnny O'Brien and Johnny O'Brien never came back. And then we lost nine straight. We, we lose five in a row and the GM asked me, so he said, he asked me if I wanted to make any changes. And I said, well, if my job depends on winning games, yes, I want to make changes because I want to keep my job. But we are winning right now. Just because we're, we're losing these games doesn't mean we're not winning. These guys are getting better. You, you brought me in here to develop these guys, not, not to win a championship. So if, we, if we're going to stay the course, I don't want to make any changes. I trust these guys. I believe in these guys. And we didn't make not one cut the entire year. That's the most thing I'm very proud of because typically G League teams have 10 to 15 transactions every year. And we didn't make not one. So the people who, who started with me, they finished with me that season. That's fantastic. And that opens up just that whole discussion of how different it is coaching the G League with any other league in the world just because you have guys on, two, on a – two-way contracts you have guys moving yeah. in and out of the lineup and to to really it's a testament to your coaching ability to have to keep guys for that whole season and just keep developing them and getting them better and now obviously it's, it shows because they're all in the league so yeah yeah you know i care about the person way more than i do about their skill you know these these players are really good basketball players with or without me but it's my job to develop them as people and build great habits or championship habits and then those typically typically spill over to the court that's great and then obviously now with the stockton kings you have a guy like kyle guy who's on a two-way yeah. what's it like him coming in and out and, and on all that like how is it going now with the stockton kings it was it was hard man uh i'm i'm not gonna lie kyle kyle, kyle guy daquan jeffries gabe vincent is now with the miami heat um those guys coming and going presents different challenges but you know, the character and the culture of who we are, we fight. We're going to compete every single night. And we wind up leading the, uh, uh, the Pacific Division. And these last two years, the Stockton Kings were, were number one in unique call-ups. You know, meaning we had guys called up from different teams, from USA Basketball. I mean, guys were just leaving left and right. And last year, we still won 30 games. And so it's not only my coaching. I had a phenomenal staff, man. And the, the culture was just really good. That's great. And that culture is obviously super important to keep these guys getting better and, and to keep that, yep. that going for the Stockton Kings. Obviously, you have Derek Jones Jr., a few guys on the, on the heat. Um, what's it like kind of watching them in the bubble and knowing that you coach them now and, and now they're over there doing great things? And really, they're, they're a dangerous yeah. team in the East and, and your guys are big contributors. You know, it's, it's pretty cool to see DJ and uh, Gabe and also, I coach Chris Quinn, their, their associate, uh, their, their, their lead assistant. And so I got three people that, that, that I've uh, had the pleasure of coaching with the Heat. But uh, DJ, man, DJ has come a long way. You know, uh, DJ went from just an athlete. That was his only attribute. People talked about him. They talked about his athletic ability. But now they're talking about him being a good defender by him be, uh, being a, a good shooter, by him being a really good player. And that's what I'm most proud of because the narrative around him has changed. Derrick Jones Jr. is a really good basketball player on top of the fact he's a phenomenal athlete.
and then Gabe Vincent, man. Gabe isn't playing now in the playoffs, but this dude averaged 8.8 points last season. This year, he averaged 24 points. You know, shot 89% from the free throw line, shot 48% from the field. And so for a guy to make that big of improvement, it's a testament to the Stockton Kings, our culture, and our entire staff. That's great. And the Heat, obviously, the guys you're listing, they have a knack for f- making the right decisions and finding guys right. that you are able to develop in the, in the G League and become uh, really good NBA players. So that, that's awesome. Right. So kind of going back to the Stockton Kings in this season, what's your focus kind of geared towards for next year, having this uh, season been cut short uh, because of the global pandemic? What's that kind of like for you? It was disappointing because we were playing well. You know, I wanted to see you know, the playoffs, I wanted to experience the playoffs and those things, but, um, you know, going, looking forward to next year, this is such a volatile business and you just never know where, where you will be. So who knows where I'll be? Maybe I'll be in the NBA. Maybe I'll be back in the G league. I'd have no idea. But, um, the thing about me, I pray and don't worry. You can't do both. So I just choose to pray and wherever God leads me, that's where I'll be. But uh, uh, the culture of the Stockton Kings is set. We are who we are. Teams want to come play with us because, for one, they'll be held accountable. Uh, they'll be loved, but, they're also, but they will also be coached. Obviously, culture is a big thing for you. But outside of that, what's kind of been the highlight of your time, both at the Stockton Kings and also in general in the G League? Wow, great question. In the G League, um, you know, uh, 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 some of the agents, typically agents are really uh, protective over their player, like overly protective. Even so, some of them even will, will lie just to keep their players happy. But the fact that the, the agents trusted me, that means a lot. You know, uh, even when, for example, Kalen Lucas, I had Kalen Lucas come out off the bench. He's a 29-year-old vet, played, played in the NBA, has NBA experience, but I, I had him come off the bench for me. Also, Cam Reynolds came off the bench. And both of those guys led my team and scored, and they wound up getting NBA deals. So did Gabe Vincent. He came off the bench, right? But he got a two-way deal. But the fact that, that these players know that I care about them as people before I do the basketball player they listened to why I wanted them to come off the bench and they trusted me. And that trust went all over the um, organization from the players, the agents. And uh, I'm, I'm most proud of one. I remember after uh, we, we had exit, exit interviews last, last year and a player told me, he said, man, man, you're, you're, you're a head coach. And I say, all right, duh, like, thank you. But then he pointed to his head. He, he, he said, no, no, you a head you a head coach. And I said, whoa, that's deep. And that was probably the biggest compliment that I've ever gotten from a player because I care about that more than I do their skill. And we had different speakers come in, different things that, that uh, I did throughout uh, the, uh, the year where we brought guys to the police academy or did trips to, uh, uh, to feed the homeless. So those types of things we, we did. Uh, they really enjoyed it and they really appreciated it. But when he said I was the head coach, that was pretty awesome. Oh, I love that. I'm definitely going to start using that. Uh, the, the head coach. <laughs> uh, That's great. Ahead. 
<laughs> I know. And it's, it's awesome how, like, obviously that's a, that's a highlight, that compliment, but it's something that it's, it's a daily thing for you, which is just fantastic to think about. Off, off that topic, what kind of advice would you give to aspiring young coaches that are hoping to get into a position like yours one day? Um, embrace humility. Uh, coaches, being, being a coach is such an egotistical position, only if you let it, right? Uh, the sign of a good coach is coaches lead leaders, right? You don't want to tell a person to, to do. You tell a dog to sit, right? But you have to teach, right? So, so my, my practices are, are organized. We teach, we train, we compete, right? And in that teaching, I teach the why first, the how second, and then the what third. And so I, I've, I've witnessed coaches coach, and they, all, they always tell the guy, the kids, or the, the, the AAU kids, or their players what to do. And nowadays, that type of coaching is slowly fading away. These kids have too much access, too much access to, to, to basketball and things that, you know, that they want to ask why. And that's okay. It's okay. Like, embrace an athlete who wants to know why. Because if that person knows why, he'll do it with more conviction and more purpose. And so uh, that's the biggest thing, man. You, you have to be able to articulate yourself to teach. I also encourage this to all, and, and I was on a Zoom call uh, last week speaking, or oh, well, two weeks ago speaking on Rising Coaches. And I talked about this to all my white brothers who were coaches and all my black brothers who were coaches. We have to educate each other. Right, this is a predominantly black sport. It doesn't mean that you're a white coach and you can't coach a black kid, right? No, a black kid want to be coached. A white kid want to be coached. Want to be coached right. So I encourage all of my white brothers who are in the coaching ramp. If you have a black friend, ask him. What uh, try to understand what it's like to be black. Try to empathize with them. And if, if the more education you know, the more understanding you know what it's like, now you can coach your team with more purpose, with better purpose and with better understanding. Now is the perfect time. I know race is like a taboo type of topic. It's only a taboo topic if you allow it to be, if you give it power to be bigger than what it is. The facts are there's white players, there's, there's black players. And these are the conversations that I have with my team. Right, and so I, it's, it's not an elephant in the room because I, I want a solution, right? And so if, if as coaches we say we want to be the best coach for our players, I have to ask my white brothers, man, tell me about your culture, man. Like, I don't know about Irish. I don't know about German. Like, like how did you? And so the more information I know about that particular uh, uh, person, I can coach my, my white players and I can, I can get the best out of them. And so for, for me, I'm not afraid to have those tough conversations, I guess, because I genuinely care. And I want to be the best coach uh, uh, for, for all of my players. That, that's super important. And, and you're 100% right. It, to be the best coach you can be, you have to be able to ask questions and, and have those conversations. Absolutely. And, and realizing that it, it's considered a, t a taboo topic only if you let it. And, and that's uh, a really important <laughs> lesson everyone can take. Exactly. Um, 
So the last thing I want to ask you, just kind of end on a fun note, if you could tell us a little bit about a particular term I've heard um, that you, you and your teams kind of uh, share and, and use a lot, that kind of brings out the fun part of the job. Well, um, we, 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 we always say all we got, all we need. All we, all, all we got on three, all we need on six, right? One, two, three, all we got, four, five, six, all we need. And I got that term while working with USA Basketball. And uh, uh, we were in the gold medal game. Jeff Van Gundy was the head coach. And we were down 20 at half. And we, and we were saying that mantra the entire year. And at halftime, I thought Jeff was going to come in and just, you know, go crazy. But he was so cool. He just talked about, well, you guys said all we got, all we need. We are in Argentina. We are playing Argentina with a, with a gym full of 10,000 Argentine fans. We are literally all we got, all we need, literally. And man, we, man, those guys came out and played their butt off and we wound up coming back and winning the gold medal. So I brought that same energy to my G League team. You know, and so that's a mantra that's been very, that's been great for us. Uh, and the guys buy into it. You know, so that's something. And then we also uh, meditate be, before the game. And it's always funny when, you know, we had uh, Isaiah Cannon. I, I hate to put his business out there, but it's pretty funny. But a, a couple of times we, we, we meditated in everybody's quad and we focus in on our breathing. We have our assistant coach, Tyler Gallen. He's talking and just, we're in deep thought. And then Isaiah just cuts one, you know? And so it's just those types of things, man, that, you know, is, I mean, it, it's just awesome, man. So th those, those guys, I feel as if they're truly uh, my family, and uh, uh, I just love, I, I love, I, I'm super blessed to have been in that position, and hopefully I can have many more chances to be the head coach. That's fantastic, and that, that mantra, um, especially out of, a, out of a timeout, is something that I think is, uh, is super yeah. useful, and I, I might have to take that also. No worries. <laughs> love it, love it. Um, the one thing I did want to, I, I did look up, I saw a term that you, uh, your team says baby a lot, and that's like kind of a oh, yeah. thing you guys always see. Yeah, and if you want, if you want to talk about that a little bit, it, see, it seemed like, I, I read that, and I, I'm like, this is, this is funny, I have to ask about yeah. this. And so baby is when there's a mismatch, when a small guy is guarding a, a bigger person. So I can call a play. For example, I can say uh, Horn 77 baby. And then the guys look around and see which person has the smaller person on them and they know it. And the funny thing is, is when they score, I don't do it because I'm professional and I'm the head coach, right? And so I don't do it, but when they score, you can hear the uh, the the guy saying wing wing, <laughs> so, I mean those guys are so funny, man, with these different things and that they do on the bench. But yeah, baby, man, like I can call any play, but as soon as I put a baby in, those guys are looking around and they know who the baby is. And so uh, now it's time to you know it's a baby on me. I I, I got to score. That's, that's hilarious. And obviously, um, being a coach in the freshman team, I can tell you there's almost nothing funnier than a bunch of 14-year-olds. So like, I, I could go on all day about some of the stuff they say. That's, that's great. Baby's definitely funny. It's definitely awesome that when you're saying you, try, you have to keep it professional, but you're in a timeout, you call the play, and you have to just try to hold it back. Oh, my know. God. Everyone knows, yeah. 
you you have no no idea since some of the timeouts, some of the things we talk about, man. And yeah, and and I I try to keep it light, like like I try to keep it very light. I remember, so my favorite song is "Kiss" by Prince, and I was and I was upset, and that song came on, and I just stopped. I said, man, listen, and I, I just started vibing. You don't have to be. And the guys saw like the guys start jamming. I said, all right, man, let's go. I didn't even draw a play up. But that that you know is is basketball. It is. I don't take it too serious, you know. And then the second thing is, every single time, any time in practice, or the game, anybody yells church, we stop what we're doing, and the whole team just hug it out. Doesn't matter. Like so so, I was I was getting onto a player. His name is Askia Booker. I was getting so this was when I was head coach in Northern Arizona. I was I was getting onto a player, and he's a kind of uh, uh, a smart guy. So I'm 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 on to him, and he just yells church, church, and I'm like, oh, you wrong. I just dap him up. I give him a hug. Everybody just come in, start start hugging each other. You know, even on timeouts, if anybody yells church, I don't care what we're doing, we stop and we show love to each other. And anybody on the team at any given time can yell church. And so that's something that uh, I really love because the, the guys love it. The guys embrace it, right? We are family. Make no mistake about it. Sometimes family members argue, but we always get over it, you know, but, and, it's, and, it's, and it's always love. That's awesome. And I, I tried to add it to the list of things I might have to take and uh, bring to my team. Because, I mean, you, you need that. I mean, and yeah. like you said, we're family, but families fight. Yep. Guys get into arguments. Game, games get tight and tensions rise. But at the end yep. of the day, you just gotta, sometimes you just got to hug it out. That's it, man. That's awesome. it. And, it's, and there's nothing wrong with that, man. So, Coach, thank you so much for coming on. I, I enjoyed this so much, and I, I really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. Good luck with uh, everything you're doing, too, bro. Thanks for listening to the Big Fellas Podcast. Check us out on all major social media platforms at Big Fellas Pod to join the chop up. You can also listen to us on every podcast platform on the planet. Stay tuned for the next episode, Big Fellas.